0: Are looking forward to this service with joy and anticipation there's just a joy stirring in our hearts today we are going to start out by singing one of our old what we call Christian heritage songs Pastor Kevin sang it a couple of weeks ago when he preached I shall not be moved Pastor Kevin and Pastor Josh have been preaching a series I shall not be moved Psalm 1 promises us that if we meditate in the law of the Lord and his law is our delight that we shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water we're going to bear fruit our leaves not going to wither and everything we set our hands is going to prosper there's chaos and lawlessness going on in our country today but I'm not going to be shaken I shall not be moved I am planted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we thought we had our projector fixed. Our Owen. Brother Matt and them have been so diligent to work this week. It worked for five hours on Friday. It worked all the way through practice up until 10 minutes before church and the projector went out again. But guess what? We're not gonna be shaken. We're not gonna be moved. We are planted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's sing out in faith this morning. Glory,
1: hallelujah, I shall not be moved. Anchored in Jehovah, I shall not be moved. By the
2: waters, I shall not be moved. God will assail sail me. I shall, shall not be moved. moved. Jesus will not fail me. I, I shall not be Just like a tree that's planted by the waters, I
1: shall not. like a tree that's planted by the waters, I I shall not not be moved, though the tempest rages, I I shall not be moved, on the rock of ages, I shall shall not be moved, just like a tree that's planted Not being tossed to and fro like the waves in the sea, but standing firm in our foundation. Even when it's dark, even when we cannot see, He is working. Let's sing this this morning. This is our testimony, this is our declaration today that He is working in me, He is working in you, and He
3: is making a way.
0: You may be seated this morning. Isn't it amazing as we take a week just to humble ourselves before the Lord and fast that we can hear His voice so much clearer and He begins to make a way and to show us plans that He has for our life and just to rekindle our hearts, that flame inside of our hearts. Um, Today, we're not going to receive our missions offering during this time. We're going to take a special offering, like we told you last week, at the end of the service. And that will be, we're going to bring, actually bring our tithes and our offerings forward. At the same time, you saw that the offering boxes were closed this morning. We want to give a special offering at the end of the service to help with what we shared with you last week about having to get jump-started into that construction project with the front of the building sooner than what we had anticipated this year but Eagle Heights is 21 years old on january 30th it'll be 21 years old and the lord has been so faithful to meet our every need and we give him honor and we give him glory and we want to open our mouths today and acknowledge his faithfulness and his goodness in our lives he's seen he has saw us through 2020 and he's going to see us through 2021 and bless us as a church and an individual as families and as Individuals, as we submit our whole lives and surrender ourselves totally to Him. And so, if you're watching from home today at the end of the service, you'll be given an opportunity to give through text giving or online at EagleHeights.net as we come forward. And this will be not only today. But an ongoing throughout the year project as you pick up those yellow envelopes and you sow just a little seed. If everyone sows a little seed, we always have enough. And God always miraculously provides. That is how the kingdom of God operates. So today... We're going to do a welcome time to give you time to go to the restroom and greet those around you. So let's stand, welcome one another, meet someone around you, and let's welcome each other to the house of the Lord.
3: to
4: Good morning everyone. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. What an amazing and powerful worship service. I love those two songs. That was powerful, wasn't it? And I am so blessed by our worship team. I just can't thank them enough and bless them enough through 2020 with limited practice and all that we've went through this year. They have done a phenomenal job. They have done a phenomenal job throw new stuff at them, and they don't miss a beat and do a great job at it, and we are so thankful. I want to welcome everyone that's gathered in in homes and watching on devices and in front of televisions or wherever you might be today. I feel like we've been preaching a word from the Lord in this season, and I'm going to ask you at this moment in time just to ask God to open your heart, even afresh and anew, to what's going to be said today to give you ears to hear what the Spirit would say. You know, I believe with all of my heart that salvation is, you know, not just receiving forgiveness for our sins, which is so vital and so necessary. I believe the condition of the heart when Jesus starts knocking on the door of our heart and we respond and we open that door involves us receiving the gift of the forgiveness for our sins. It is confessing because we see now who He is, confessing with our mouth the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it also involves trusting God with my life, trusting God with the care of my life. It involves all of that. I don't believe anybody is born again without those three things operating and happening within their heart. And so I want to go to the Lord in prayer as we continue this message, I shall not be moved. Father God, today we gather again and we ask that you move us a little deeper, a little little further in the knowledge of you that we would gain wisdom and understand your heart. Father God, we need you so desperately in this hour. And I am so thankful, Father God, that you never stop working. You never stop moving. You never stop building the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a righteous remnant around this globe. And we're on the winning side. And Father God, we are thankful today to be called the children of God, And all of his sons and daughters said, Amen, as we pray it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. I want to begin reading in Matthew 7 as Jesus is teaching this profound message found in in Matthew 7. Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, And broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. The multitudes are walking on the broad way that leads to destruction. Because narrow is the gate. And Jesus never pulls any punches. Never tries to trick us. Never exaggerates anything. He is the truth. He said, difficult is this way. Difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Jesus told us that we have only two options in life, to travel on the broad road or the narrow road. Everyone in this room today, it's unseen by human eyes, but you're traveling a road, and you're either traveling the broad road or the narrow road. Everyone listening to this message today from home, you are either traveling on the broad road or the narrow road. Everyone that you see, every tongue, every tribe, every nation around the globe, everyone is walking on a road, either the broad road or the narrow road. The broad road is for the unbelieving the undisciplined, the lazy, and the careless. It is easy in the sense that there is no fight of faith, no warring with the flesh. I simply do as I please with no thought of submitting my life to anyone including the God who created me. No war and no pressure within as to whether I will obey God or obey myself, whether I will trust God or trust in myself and what I can do for myself, the devil gladly accommodates those who would choose the folly of this way by transforming transforming himself into an angel of light and doing whatever whatever he can to deceive multitudes into empty pursuits that can only lead to false happiness and a false sense of security. It is the buy now and pay later plan. You know, that's a deception in and of itself. If you, are, if you, if you go into a store and you choose the buy now and pay later plan, you really haven't bought anything yet because it hasn't cost you anything yet. We ought to say it's to possess now, amen, and pay later plan. It is to play now and pay later plan. Jesus has forewarned us here that this road can only lead us to death and destruction. Jesus makes it clear that there is only one other option in life, and that is a straight and narrow way. It is the way of the believer it is the way of the wise, the patient, the overcomer, the courageous, and the brave in heart. Jesus said that there are only few who find it. It is by far the road less traveled. Why? Why? Because it's hard. Because it's difficult. It's, diffi- it's, it's difficult because there is a war to wage. There is a fight of faith that must be engaged in. For the most part, this war within is in my mind. It's in my heart. The battle to believe, the fight of faith, the struggle to remain steadfast and immovable. Satan doesn't leave me alone when I choose this road that leads to life, rather, he rages. And he wages war against me and against you. Yet for we who are believers in this room today and those listening to this message, despite the warfare, despite the trials and tribulation, no matter the cost and no matter the loss, it is a million times more preferable as it is the way of our master. It is the road that leads me to Jesus It is the road where Jesus is leading me. It is the road that leads to life, eternal life. This is the pay now and possess later plan. And not many people want that. You know, hindsight is 2020, right? And as we look back in hindsight at 2020, 2020 has shown us a lot about others and about ourselves we can see clearly, more clearly now that the multitudes have chosen the broad road that leads to destruction. This last political round is absolute evidence that people have chosen the broad road that leads to destruction and care not that we are no longer a nation, one nation under God, Come on, or in one God we trust. We are not that nation any longer. The broad road is embraced by the majority of Americans, both outside the church and sadly, many inside the church. The past year has caused us to witness many who because of the difficulties and challenges of 2020 have departed from the faith as is predicted in 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, lies of the enemy. Somebody told me this. I don't know how factual it is, but a poll was taking of those churchgoers, or used to be churchgoers, now at home. And 25% of the people said they would never go to church again. They would just stay home and watch television from home. And you know that I am all about doing the right thing. That's why you're sitting there with a mask on your face today. I'm all about social distancing and washing my hands and doing the right things and not, you know, subjecting myself to something that would give harm to my body or harm to those around me. I am all about, you know, those who with underlying medical con- conditions should not frequent co- concentrate assemblies. I think we have some of our dear saints of God in our own church family that I would say you probably need to stay home during this season. But I want to make myself clear today that when the trouble is past and whenever we get back to normal, there is no possibility under heaven that you can sit behind a television set and go to heaven. There is no possibility that you are a body, a member of the body of Christ, and you don't feel compelled to be among the body and the saints of God. Can I get a witness right there? Some have departed from the faith. But even for those of us who are truly followers of Christ, 2020 has exposed some weaknesses in our own faith. And maybe like Jesus' first disciples, Jesus would say to us as he's watched our activities and how we've responded to the challenges, "Oh, ye of little faith! Or maybe even something like this, How is it? That you have no faith. Whether in a big way or a small way, 2020 has tested the faith of us all. James 1, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. 2020 and the COVID 19 has been a various trial. And not only the pandemic itself, but the repercussions and the consequences, both bodily and economically, have challenged many in our land. And it has created a lot of fear and anxiety. But the Word of God, the Holy Spirit says to you and I, who are walking on the straight and narrow, and we are believers, to count it all joy when you fall into various trials because you know this. That the testing of your faith makes you a man of God. The testing of your faith produces patience. It makes you strong. It makes you immovable. It makes you steadfast. It makes you unshakable. It makes you a man or a woman of God. And there is no easy way to do that. It takes the testing of our faith. But then the Holy Spirit says, you know, you can squeak your way out of this. You can choose your way out of this. You can resist this. Let patience, let the various trials that you find yourself in work in you what God is seeking to work in you. Let the hard times Let the times of despair and trials and tribulations when you don't really understand, let God work out of you what he wants to and work in you what he wants to that you may be perfect and complete. That's my assignment today. As I preach this message, I shall not be moved. We preach he is keeping me. Pastor Josh did a great job. He's carrying me. And today I want to preach, He is completing me. You know, I could have somebody in my life who would offer protection in my life at a given moment or a given season, and they could keep me safe. And somebody could carry me and give me a lift or give me a hand up. And they could do some things in my life to bring about some caring and some grace in my life. But just because somebody keeps me and carries me, doesn't mean that he's involved in any way in my destiny and where I will ultimately end up. And that's what I want you to understand today, that God is not only keeping me and carrying me, he is completing me as he has a plan for my life and a plan for your life and everyone walking on the straight and narrow. And God promises by his own covenant and by his own faithfulness that God is going to complete everything that he starts In your life. He said you need to trust this. That's the wisdom. Don't doubt. Don't be like a wave. Driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he's going to receive anything from the Lord. Without faith it's impossible to please him. He is a double minded man. Unstable in all of his ways. Most people are waves. Let's just get to it. Most people are waves. There are those of us in this room listening to me this morning. We're waves. Some of us listening online today, you're waves. And I would say to you by the word of the Lord as he spoke that day as the water was filling, those boats with jeopardy and fear was on those disciples, those early disciples, Jesus got up in that boat and he gave a command. To the waves. And he said, peace. Be still. And the waves obeyed him. And they were still. I would say to us today as believers, it is no time for us to be like a wave. We need the anointing of God. Come on. To bring peace to our soul. And to no longer be a wave tossed to and fro by the wind and what's going on in the world today. We need to be still and know That he is God. People are becoming more and more unstable, less and less trustworthy, less and less loyal. And there are very few who maintain their integrity and can truly be counted on when the wind begins to blow and the storm begins to assail them. They get shaken and moved. I am making a declaration over my life as I begin 2021. We are making a declaration together. We are not preaching a sermon series. (laughs) I am declaring over myself, and I'm declaring over you in the name of Jesus. We shall not be moved. We're not going to be waves. We're going to be a tree. How do I do that? How do I assure myself that I've done all that I know to do to make sure that when the wind assails me and the storms assail me that I shall not be moved. First of all, we're going to examine ourselves. You know, Paul wrote these amazing letters to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and gave them so much information, so much revelation, so much communication. But at the very end, in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he says this, I know you've heard a lot and I know you know a lot about God and I know you've heard a lot about Jesus and I know you've got your church and I know, you know what, you, you're a member there and you've got all this religious lifestyle going and you, but this is what I need you to do. By the order of the Holy Spirit, examine yourselves as to whether you are actually in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? The Holy Spirit, through Paul, said, and he's saying to us today, examine yourself and test your faith. As you do that, I promise you, God's going to help you. He's going to test your faith. Is it legitimate? Is it genuine? Have my sins been washed away? Am I living like Jesus is Lord of my life? And have I trusted God with the care of my life? Am I walking the straight and narrow? I'm going to test myself. The testing of your faith of those times in life that make you dig deep. When just a church service won't do. When just another sermon won't do. When another empty cliche won't do. I got to dig deep and I begin to ask myself what I really believe. And do I really trust God? Are my eyes really on Jesus? Does God really have a plan for my life? Or do I just go about it through my motions of life, through the motions of life, and my day-to-day activities, and you know what? I never really engage with this truth that God has started something and is going to finish it in my life. Hebrews. Hebrews. 12, 1 and 2. I tell you what, let, 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 let me wait on that. That's my punchline. I'm not there yet. Do I really trust? It's these times that make me go to the deep place. And these little paired answers, these little, these little answers that we give people when they talk about God. And you, you know how to spill it out. And you know how to say this. And you know how to talk about God and the things of God. But really, do you see yourself as tied off to something bigger than you are? That God is truly leading me and caring for me and walking me through this life. See, what you say, you believe in the difficult times, isn't really what matters. What you do in the difficult times, that's what matters. Faith without works is dead. It's no faith at all. Do we believe like the Apostle Paul, who is a believer? Two weeks ago, we read out of 2 Timothy 1, what a powerful word Paul is saying, not just preaching some empty sermon, but something that has been worked in him and that he believes with all of his heart. For this reason, I also suffer these things. I'm going in a difficult way. I've got opposition. I've got an adversary. Things in my life aren't, aren't always perfect, and I have trouble and difficulties in my life. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed to tell you who I am or that God's doing something in my life, for I know whom I believed. And I'm persuaded. Somebody say the word persuaded. Persuaded. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. And there was another word in Philippians 1-6 that I'm getting my message from today. Being confident, everybody say confident. He believes this. Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many of you believe that today? Sadly to say, we know we need to believe that, but it's when you get into that test of faith that you know if you really believe it. And God is faithful and sovereign, and he knows how to put us in that place to see what's in our heart. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, this is in Hebrews 11, all the patriarchs and the mighty men of God, and the story of their faith is listed in Hebrews 11. They are the cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight, because it won't fit through the narrow gate. And the sin that so easily besets us, because it won't fit through the narrow gate. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the hes the finisher of my faith. Somebody say amen right there. We need to stop looking at the political arena. Do what you need to do. Vote, pray, intercede, whatever you need to do. We need to stop presenting our members to social media and all the nonsense that you're engaged in there. Get your eyes off what your neighbors and coworkers are doing, what they're saying, It is time to get our ears and our eyes positioned that we look to Jesus and hear what He's got to say about my life and about my plan, His plan, and my future. Amen. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I love you, I pray for you. I just can't be and I can't help you. If you won't help, I'll pull you off the broad road. We'll walk the narrow road together. I'll tell you how to get here. But listen to me, as long as you're close to that, there's nothing you can do. There's no information you can give me whereby I can walk with strength and power and faith in my life. Turn Fox off. <laughs> And turn Jesus on. Come on, somebody. And I'm not trying to be all religious up here, you know. But I'm telling you, you, you what's influencing your life and your heart? I have made up my mind. I'm going to do what I need to do under the direction of the Holy Spirit. But I refuse to live in a state of despair over what the lost world is doing, what people on the broad road are doing. I have a plan that I'm going to walk out, it's a good plan, it's a blessed plan. And I'm not going to let broad road walkers influence my heart day to day. Woo! I said a mouthful. But his delight, Pastor Lisa quoted, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. The law that God loves me. The law that God is not a man that he should lie. The law that communicates promise after promise after promise. The law that tells me to be righteous and holy and sanctified. I live my life delighting and dwelling and filtering Thoughts that go in my mind and out of my mind and Satan's whisperings in my life. I'll filter them all through the truth. And you know what? If it's not truth, I go, bam, I don't want that. Take it captive. Throw it away. It's garbage. It has nothing to do with me. I live in the truth. He shall be like a tree. Come on. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. As God allows, as God dictates and determines, my leaf's not going to wither, and whatever I do is going to prosper. No, wait a minute. Whatever I do is going to prosper. If, I, if I'm a gas station attendant making $8 an hour, I don't even know what the minimum wage is anymore, I'm going to prosper in what I'm doing, and that gas station is going to prosper because I'm there. I'm not trying to be prideful, arrogant or whatever. I'm telling you you have the potential to bring blessing everywhere you go and everything you set your hand to while it's in faith through grace nothing you, no pride no strength, no wisdom not you, but when you give it to God everywhere you go, if I'm a teacher that, that school is going to be blessed because I teach there. In that third grade, I don't go around I'm the best third grade teacher there ever was no, 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 but I know in my spirit I'm a believer and I'm telling you God's going to use me to measure these kids and this school is going to be better because I teach here everything you do shall prosper but the ungodly are not so the broad road walkers are not so they're like the chaff which the wind drives away Verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Say that as a confession in your mouth today as you think about yourself and your life. Let's say it together. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I stand before you today as a prisoner of hope. I'm not saying that because anything that I see Got to be honest, gives me encouragement or hope. I see the same bleakness and darkness that you do. I'm a prisoner of hope today, not because of the things that I see, but because of the things I don't see. The things I see through eyes of faith. The things that I believe and know to be true. As we look at Hebrews 11, I didn't have the scriptures for him. I didn't know I was going to... It's felt compelled right before service, but 1-1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the reality of what you know is going to happen. The evidence of not what's seen. I don't see it. I can't hold it in my hands, but I know that I know that I know it's real, and I know that I know where I'm going. It's faith. And in verse 6 says, For without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he that comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so we have this amazing hall of fame of faith. Noah, and by faith Noah, divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved. Oh, there it is moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. I pray that you're tracking with us in Genesis right now. You're going to see in just a few matter of days and weeks this unfolding of amazing stories and people of faith. And it might surprise you that not one situation was easy. Not one situation was without its challenges. That's why they're in this hall of faith, because they trusted God despite what they saw. What if you were Moses or Noah? What if you were Noah, and God gave you a commandment to build this huge it's not as wide as this building, but as wide as this building or as long as this building? three stories. You have no machinery. You don't have any, you know, DeWalt's or, you know, if you have to use Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Me and my kids fight over that. They don't have a table saw. You don't have a meal. And you have no help other than your three lug head boys and their wives. And the entire world, now listen to me very carefully and plug this in. The entire world has turned their back on God. And he was a preacher of righteousness. He went out and told his neighbors and told them the truth and loved on them and told them the way of God, and nobody responded in kind. Nobody changed their direction what would you do? Talk about your faith being tested. The only motivation you can find is God's word to your heart and his instruction in your life. And he starts out building this ark day after day and trying to figure out the timeline of how long it took him to build this. They've come up with somewhere in the window of 50 to 80 years. I'm 52 years old. I can't even imagine in my life that every day of my life has been spent building this boat that God told me about a half a century ago and hadn't said anything since as far as some fresh word. And every day I go out, I've got to make means to feed my family, I've got to clothe them, I've got to feed them. And every day... Eight people work on this ark, and I cannot even imagine such a situation. You know, there's days when you go out and you tackle your project, and you're full of energy, and you're full of zeal, and you go, we're going to do this today, and something's compelling you, and you're just, you know, just highly motivated. And there's other days when you just feel like you just can't even hardly put one foot in front of the other. I wonder if Noah had any of those days. What if you would know? What would you do? Would you continue in faith? What if you were the son? What if you were a daughter-in-law? And their family surely is telling these daughter-in-laws, get out of that crazy, wacko house. They are nuts. It hasn't rained. What are y'all doing? You're going to do what? You're going to write the the flood coming. Oh, in a 100 years from now, got you. Okay, that makes sense. No, no, put yourself in the position of these people. There's no AirPods in their ears with the latest worship music, you know, blessing them. No books to read. No no ministries out there that could speak into their life, you know, through a podcast or whatever. Just... Just work, drudgery every day. I'm not against music and I'm not against books and so forth and so on. Don't, Don't miss the point here. But we have never had more books, more podcasts, more sermons, more teaching, more this, more that, readily available, more worship music, better music. We've never had, but we've never been as unstable as we are now. Because I'm telling you now, it ain't the book. There, occasionally a book will speak something to you that will transform you and change you and deposit something in you. For the most part, we're always trying to find the next thing to kind of kickstart us a little bit. I'm just going to go there. and I, I'm the same way. I did it for years. But I'm going to tell you what I've learned. At the end of the day, whether you hear a song or not, whether you read a book or not, you just do what you need to do every day, whether it's sun shining, whether it's raining, whether it's cloudy, whether whatever it is, you do it in faith because God started something in me, and He's going to see me through to the end. And why would I quit? And God will start removing, removing things that encourage you sometimes, and encourage your flesh. See what's really inside of you. If you're going to walk this out, stayed over a year on that ark, it's amazing. What about Abraham? Abraham? God called to him, went out not knowing where he was going. but he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He was looking for a heavenly city. And he said, "God, I'm going to walk this out. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm going to do when I get where I'm going. I don't even have any clue. At some point God reveals himself to him as a 75-year-old man that said, "Look at the stars. Abraham, i got a plan for your life. So shall your descendants be. I'm your exceedingly great reward. I'm your reward, Abraham. And I've got an amazing plan for your life. And the Bible says, Abraham, this is our, his, this is our father in faith. This is what faith is. Abraham believed God. That's it. He said, God, I don't know how. I don't know when. And I don't guess that matters, but I'm going to put the care of my life in your hands. Lead me wherever you want to lead me. And God accounted it to him as righteousness. God said, that is faith. That is faith. God, if I'm going to have descendants like the stars, I guess I need to start with a child. I don't have a child. I guess one of the servants in my house will be the heir. No, that shall not be there. He shall not be the heir. But your own son shall be the heir. He's 75. 12, 13, 14 years passed by. 12, 11, 12 years. And like all of us, we go, you know what? Maybe I should do my part. Maybe there's something more I need to do here. He started doubting and getting a little double-minded about the promise. And he went into Hagar's wife's idea. That was stupid. And he went into Hagar, and they birthed Ishmael. And all the trouble in the Middle Middle East today, you know why? Because Abraham went into Hagar. And that war ain't never going in. God already, already told us that. The war between Ishmael and Isaac, the true son, between the, the Middle East and Jerusalem, it's never going to end. Never going to end. All because one man just said, you know what, maybe I need to, this. Surely if God was doing something in my life and had a plan, it would be done by now. But after that fiasco, he's, he's 86, I believe. He waits another 14 years until Isaac is born. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that your timelines are based upon culture and what you think, and it could easily not be in accordance to God's will whatsoever. And the, the, the reason that's so important is while you're waiting, you bail. And you get out of faith and you stop trusting God because surely it feels like by now this should happen, but it don't happen. Because at the appointed time, that's when God moves, and you don't know the appointed time. It is even Jesus, it is not for you to know times or seasons that God has put in His own authority. Amen or not? He finally has a son. A few years pass by, God speaks to him again. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, the son that you love, take him up on that mountain and kill him. Now wait a minute. This ain't this ain't a Bible story that we just teach the five year olds. This is me and you in our lives. And something that seems so contradictory to the promise and plan and purpose of God in my life, God has said, I'm testing you. I want to see if you'll trust me with a plan and not yourself. And you know he went up and he was about to kill him and the angel stopped him. Remember that? He wasn't perfect either, by the way. Don't look at yourself. I'm not Abraham. I'm not Father Abraham. I'm not whatever. It's not about perfection in your life. There's going to have some days here and there where you're not going to be at your best and you're going to allow some thoughts and blah, 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 and emotions and warfare is going to come and you're going to get all funky for a little while like Paul and even Jesus had times of despair and walking through that. Abraham went out and his wife was like drop-dead gorgeous. And he goes to Egypt and says, hey, listen to me, you are so beautiful and what's going to happen is When we go into the city, they're going to kill me to get you. Don't tell them you're my wife. Tell them you're my sister. King took her. God only knows what's happening inside the palace there. I don't even know what they're fixing to do to Sarai, but Abraham don't care because he's preserved his own life. He did it twice, by the way. Boy, you love your wife, don't you? Here, take her. Just don't kill me. I tell you that because I'm telling you, I know you don't do it right all the time. And I don't do it all. But, you know, in my heart, I trust God. And the weakness of my flesh sometimes causes me to step out. But you know what the Holy Spirit does? He gets me right back where I need to be trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and his plan for my life. How many of you believe that today? Oh, we could go on and on. How does Isaac lay there? He's not a two-year-old, by the way. How does he lay there on that altar and his daddy's raising him? Listen to me, he's a a young man. Maybe he's a teenager. I promise you he could have taken out his 100-year-old-plus daddy with just a shove or two and a whack over the head with a stick. How do you lay there like that? Because I trust that God's got a plan for us. See, that's unapproachable in our mind. We just don't even get it. But that's what faith is. What about Jacob after messing up so bad and yet he's wrestling with the angel of God and he says, I don't want to walk on the broad road. I don't want this lifestyle. I've cheated my brother. This is not what I want in my life. And he's wrestling with the angel and he said, I won't let you go unless you bless me. I'm not going to let you go unless you change who I am. And God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Jacob has 12 sons through two wives and two concubines. I won't even bother. It's it's a dramatic soap opera. You can't even believe it when you're going to read it. You, You can't believe it. The second to the youngest is Joseph. And Jacob showed partiality to Joseph and gave him a coat of many colors. By the way, do not show partiality to your children. It is not the right thing to do. God shows no partiality. We should show no partiality. Among my three kids, you know, they got this thing, well, daddy's favorite is, and mama's favorite is, and, you know, Josh calls Caleb the golden child, and blah, 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 and it's just blah, blah, blah to me because next week somebody else is my favorite. I love them all equally. But he messed up and he, put, he, he set Joseph up and he put this coat on him and they, they, they hate him. He has dreams that the sun, moon, and stars are bowing down to him and mistake. He told the family and the sheaves are bowing down. The brothers hate him. Well, long, they take him and throw him into a pit and sell him to the slave traders. Have your dreams ever been dashed? What was Joseph? What was he feeling? What was he thinking? When his own brothers hated him, so only one brother kept him from being killed and sold him. What's he thinking? Where's his faith? What do you think about God right now and your big dreams and big promises, Joseph? Sold a Potiphar's house. The house starts prospering because Joseph's there. his wife casts eyes, tries to, tries to sleep with him. He maintains his sexual purity, even when, why would you do that? Nobody cares. Nobody's here. Nobody's going to see. Why would you maintain your integrity? Because he knows that what God started in my life, he's going to finish it, even though I don't understand it today. Lied about, thrown in prison, forgotten there by the baker, or the butler. At some point, he, you know, interprets Pharaoh's dream and, He's released from the prison. All of a sudden, he's second in command of all of Egypt. And that dream that he saw his brothers bowing before his sheep, all of a sudden, there's a famine breaking out, and the the, the family back home needs some food. They go up to Egypt to buy grain, and they sit and they bow down before who? uh, Joseph. He eventually makes himself known to him, and the brothers are scared to death. They're going to kill him. And Joseph said, do yourself no harm. For now I know why I'm here, to preserve life. God has completed the circle. I would have never thought I in a million years that I would be here. But you know what? My God is faithful. What about Paul's thorn in the flesh in the New Testament? He got saved and everything's going good in his life. And God goes, you know, you're, you're, you're being elevated so much and the revelations are so great that if I let you go, you're going to get in pride and it's going to cause major problems in your life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let a demon and a devil aff- afflict you in some way so that you don't get exalted above measure. Now, wait a minute. I've heard faith preachers try to teach around that, teach in circles, explain this and explain that, but I'm telling you, it is just what it says. It wasn't sin in his life, but there was something that was so unacceptable, something that was so against God's plan for his life, or so he thought that he sought God's Three times, God, get this gone out of my life, God, please get it gone, I don't like this it's not your will and God says but it is my will, and my grace is sufficient for you come on something that I can't get delivered from but I can't submit to it either what a war what a battle no wonder Paul and Peter just wrote and thought things so different from we we do. Second Timothy four at my first offense, no one stood with me. A couple chapters earlier, this he said, You know that everybody in Asia deserted me That's, just, that's astounding to me. The church in Asia, the church in Asia, the church is in Asia, the church is in Asia. And here in Timothy says, everybody in Asia deserted me. No one at my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. I want to ask you a question. What do you do when there's no support group around you? What do you do when, you, when you're called to perform at your best and run with endurance and play at your best? And there's no fans in the stands calling your name and saying you're great. Do you perform for an audience of one? Or do you throw in the towel? May it not be charged against him. I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm good. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Somebody say amen right there so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Anybody ever been delivered out of the mouth of the lion? And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, that's faith. Can I get a witness in the house? Everything that Satan would bring, God's going to deal with you because I'm in faith. 1 Peter 5, be sober. This is Peter, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he he may devour. Resist him! Stand in your faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace who called us by his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while... When I was a young Christian, I'd read that and go, what? After you've suffered a while, Lord, I'm praying now. I need deliverance now. I need help now. The devil's giving me problems now. After you've suffered a while, he's going to perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. My question to you is this. What if you're in that moment when you're not perfected, established, strengthened, settled yet, and, and you can't find any relief, and you can't find any breakthrough, and you give up. Because you didn't believe that God was going to complete what he started in your life. Is anybody with me today? Paul said it in Romans 16, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet, what, shortly. What? What if you like, Daniel, you're praying, some of you are praying and fasting, you're trying to get a breakthrough, and you hear, and, and, and Daniel goes, I don't know, God ain't listening to me. I'm, I'm praying, and all of a sudden an angel appears to him after three weeks. It says, Daniel, from the first time you prayed, heaven heard you, heaven responded, but I've been in warfare with a prince of Persia, and I've been hindered from coming to get to you. That's stuff you don't know about and I don't know about, but this is what I do know. I better not give up when my prayers aren't answered because I don't know what's going on over my head. And I don't know time parameters, and I don't know what God's doing. All I need to know is what He started, He's going to finish. Amen? I got a lot of trees on my property. There was a time I didn't care about trees, but all of a sudden I said, you know what, I need some trees. I went and bought some little trees and you know, little oaks and little Cleveland pears and blah, 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 and, and you know, and crepe myrtles and whatever. And somebody went out of business and bought a bunch of crepe myrtles and put them out there. Well, you know, if I'm, I'm going to do it right, okay? And so when I, I staked them all off so the wind wouldn't knock them down because I love my little trees. And you know, most of the time I'm going to overdo something, to be honest with you. I'm going to overdo it. And so they're all just tight and it, I said, wind cannot move this tree. But then I read something that you can actually stake a tree off too long. That while it's vulnerable, keep it staked off, maybe the first growth cycle, but then go out there and take the stakes off and just trust that the roots is going to hold them up in the storm. Because you see, that tree needs wind to blow across its limbs And when the leaves, it starts, come on, being moved by the wind, it signals the roots to go down deeper. And when the roots go down, grow down deeper, the trunk gets more broad. I'm telling you, in life, God knows that you need some wind to blow over your life. This is moving me. Yeah, but you ain't going nowhere. And if I keep you staked off all the time, you're never going to grow in faith. But th- Because the testing of your faith makes you strong. You're going to be all right. I was reading the article and it said, you know, that's like a, a big sh- stand of trees somewhere. They're going to put a subdivision in And they go and cut all the trees around the perimeter and leave a couple, you know, trees in the middle. You see a tree that's been... Protect it too long. It will grow up real, real, real tall. And the roots will be very shallow. And as soon as those trees get removed, those outside trees that were protecting that tree, the first storm is going to fall to the ground. And sometimes God has to remove the trees in our life. Maybe a dad, maybe a grandfather, maybe a pastor, maybe some leader, somebody, and you've been they've been speaking into your life and they've been helping you and every little fear and every little thing, they speak something to you. (laughs) But at some point, God's going to move the trees out of your life so that you can feel some wind yourself. Josh is going to feel some wind in the next few years that he's never felt before and Dad can't help him. I can't get him staked off. Caleb, Hannah, they're going to feel some wind that they've never felt before. But this is what you know, Josh. This is what you know, Kay. This is what you know, Hannah. This is what you know, Bethany, Sarah. This is what you know, that what God started in your life, he's going to complete it no matter what as you trust in him. Amen. Let's stand on our feet as the team comes. I want to read Jeremiah to you 17 as they do one more time. You know, I told my children not even... Two months ago, I've said it several times, but as as little as two months ago, I said, Guys, your promotion in ministry, your promotion in the kingdom, your promotion in life will be determined by how much weight you are willing to carry and how much spiritual warfare you're willing to endure. God is not going to trust things with you if you're like a wave. You've got to learn to carry some weight and endure some warfare so that God can trust you with His anointing. Can I get a witness right there? This is what the Lord says. Curse are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted. There it is, stunted shrubs in Pastor Kevin's field because they've been tied off too long. No hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness and in... Uninhabited, salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Won't you raise your hands right there. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Come on, somebody. And this is what I like. Such trees are not bothered by the heat. I'm, I'm not, you can put your hands down. I hate what happened to the political elections, but I'm not bothered by the heat. I'm not worried that I'm going to eat and drink and have clothes or that I'm going to have a blessed life. I'm not, I don't care who's in the White House because I got somebody on a great throne. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. I've been working on this ark, Pastor Kevin. I am so tired. Keep working. I've been waiting on this promise so long, Pastor. Keep, Keep going. Don't be worried about the long seasons of drought when what you feel like should happen isn't happening. Yet never cast away your confidence. It has great reward. Keep trusting God. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. Ephesians 3, I want to pray this over you right now. I want you to pray it over your family, over your spouse, over your children. Pray it over your fellow church family. Ephesians 3, 16. I want everyone to pray this out loud, if you would. I know you don't know what I'm fixing to say or what it's about to say, but it's faith. It's right. It's what we need today. As we enter in 2021, for that, sake, for that matter, for the rest of our lives. I want to get myself in faith right now. I'm not preaching. I'm praying over you right now. Prophesying over you right now. And over myself and over my family. Let's, let's, let's pray this. Ready? Read. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources. He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide. How long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete. Somebody say amen. With all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able. Somebody say he's able. Through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever ask or even have enough sense to think about. How many of you know God's big? God's great. Man, it just settles me when I just, and I love to preach because it, it just gives me opportunities to. Meditate and say it, and get it in my heart over and over again. I'm telling you, when I stand before you today, it's like, what is man? What is this world? What can anybody do to me? Kill my body? Okay, poop. I go to my heavenly Father. What are you going to do? What is sickness? What is, what is death? What is the economy? What can it do to me? God has promised to keep me in His hand and nobody can snatch me out. No devil in hell, no president, no a Democrat, no, nobody. I need to say this. For the most part, let me clarify that. This election wasn't decided about people who are concerned about the financial, economic, physical well-being of the United States. Not by people who are concerned about God being able to bless us as a nation. For the most part, our election is decided by people who just want to do something that doesn't please God and not be hindered in any way as they do it it's a fact and there's nothing we can do about it it's it's a fact but i'm going to tell you something i am not and president trump is not our savior by any means nor would he would have been but we just want some vestige come on your political leaders some vestige anything of conservative you know some ways of god something that's kept intact something that's what we were fighting for right But I'm telling you the truth. No matter what this world does, God's going to take care of us. Don't worry about tomorrow. Sufficient for the day will be its own trouble. Don't worry. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to this? What are we going to. How's our. Blah blah, 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 blah. It never ends. For your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. The Gentiles have to think like that. You, the lost people have to think like that. You don't have to think like that. God's going to take care of you. Do you believe that today? Yeah. You know, we're going to take up this offering right now. Just, and this is more than on aw- awnings on buildings. You know, I have to make all three of these buildings look right together and try to bring it into the next. You know, modernize them a little bit. I'm not. I am going to be as efficient economically as I possibly can, and I don't even know how I'm going to do it yet. But I, I, I want, you know, I want to make sure this place stays in an excellent manner. Not that, you know, bricks are spiritual. But this represents, as people pass by and as we frequent this place, this place represents something that is God in our lives. And I want to make sure, whether it be my body, whether it be this build, whatever we do, we do it with excellence and unto the Lord. I want you to start something and think about this in everything that we do. If we get back to serving like we used to, if we, and I pray that we will this year, as we give offerings, as we come and listen to messages and sing songs or play songs or sing songs, whatever we're doing, be in faith in everything you're doing. I don't want one person to give anything in this offering that is not in your heart to do. And those who were of a willing heart came and gave to the constructing of the temple. God says don't, don't give anything out of a grudging obligation. Whether it's giving an offering or changing a baby's diaper in the nursery, don't give it I have to. I'm on the list. I have to. It's my Sunday. I gotta do. He don't like that. Everything you do Do it in faith as unto the Lord, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Amen. So as the ushers come today, I'm trying to downplay the, I'm not trying to get money out of you. I really ain't. Just just be in faith. Do what God tells you to do. And no matter what you do, this this, this is the the peace that you can walk in. It doesn't matter where it comes from. God can drop down. That old thing went out again. Matt, valiant effort. Got a part come from Canada. I mean, he'd been calling. Everything put it in, tested it. Da, da, da You know how much that thing? Cost? I mean, you know how much that thing costs up there? That's a kind of outdated model, right there. You know how much that box costs up there? For the old model, that one, nine thousand dollars. <laughs> I said, "What? How much? You can't believe what it takes to do what we're doing. But I'm gonna tell you, we don't have no millionaires in this church. Hey, what y'all need? I'm a, here's a blank check. We we've never had that in 21 years. You want to tell you who we have? We got a bunch of rednecks like me and you, <laughs> blue collar workers, just that love God and just respond to God together. That's all I ask you to do right now. Amen. And so, what we we'll singing, guys? Let's sing that first song, okay? That was so powerful, guys. I want to sing both of them, but I don't know if we have time to do that. Amen? So just come bring your offering forward as we sing this song today in faith. And just believe that 2020 is going to be a blessed year because God's going to hold on to you. Amen? And good things are going to happen. He's going to complete what he started in your life. So guys, let's sing. Let's come. Amen. Amen. Dream. Yeah.